Well, good morning. Grateful to see you. Uh, if you are new to LifePoint, my name is Ed Travers. I'm the teaching pastor here in Westerville. I uh, want to say to you, if you've not checked in with us and you're new or new-ish to LifePoint, do me a favor, take out your phone, turn on the camera, and put it on the QR code on a chair in front of you, or type in lpguest.com. That'll take you to a landing page uh, that is our Connect card. Uh, and it all the information you want to find out about LifePoint, you can find there. Uh, there's upcoming events. The sermon notes, if you click those, those are interactive. You can actually take your own notes there and email those to yourself if you want a record of that. And then there's also the guest information button. Here's what of interest me greatly is that if you would fill it out and put on there how you heard about LifePoint, that, that really helps me out a lot. And then it scroll down, there are five ministries we support from all of our campuses. And if you check one of those boxes, uh, those ministry partners that we have, we'll do an extra $5 donation to that ministry just to say thanks uh, for checking in with us today. So that said, uh, I've really enjoyed this series, uh, the WOW series or the Wide Open World series. The last couple of weeks have been a blast. Uh, this is our series that we do every year where at the end we take up an offering and that offering goes to fund our missions uh, for the year. So we're going to do that today. I'll talk more about that as we go. Uh, but it, it's just been a blast. And it got me thinking about all the different things that God has been doing in our midst. And one of the things that always sticks out in my mind are the baptism stories. And I was thinking particularly about a baptism story that happened not that long ago. Uh, this husband and wife, the husband came to me first and he said to me, hey, Ed, I'm, I'm ready to go public. I wanna get baptized. I said, okay, well, I'd love to hear your story. And so we sat down and we talked about it. Now he grew up in a Christian home and had a lot of Christian influence in his life. In fact, uh, he had family members that are in ministry. And so he learned about you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and what that means for salvation. He learned early and became a believer early. Uh, he had such a family that, that had invested the gospel in him. In fact, his grandfather, who used to be a minister, was so faithful at the end of his life, he wanted his family and all of his family members to know about what it means to follow Christ. He actually wrote down all of the information like on, on papers and he handed them out to all his family members. So the first page is literally, this is what it means to be a follower of Christ and it talks about the gospel. The fact that you know we're all sinners and, and fallen short of the glory of God and yet God loves us so much he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for sin. And because of that, when we, give, uh, we come to him in faith and receive that grace and mercy in our life, he washes away our sin just like we just sang. And so his grandfather, like imagine having your grandpa like literally care so much, he sends out this information to everyone in the family. So he comes to me and, and his story, he had faith early and there were times in his journey that you know, he didn't take it as seriously as others, but since coming back to LifePoint, he just, God sparked something in him and, and, and he just wanted to go public with his faith. And I said, man, this is a great story. So we baptized him and that was awesome. Well, his wife came to me a couple months later, and her story was almost the opposite. She did have someone in her family that had shared the gospel with her. So she made a decision to follow Jesus early, but the family was so broken in so many ways, and a lot of their brokenness kind of spilled out on her. And so her life became broken. And so a lot of her childhood and into her, her years, like it just, all that brokenness kept spilling out in her soul. So you know, she, she got married and, you know, they have a family, but here she is now, she's, she's a mom and she's a wife, but you know how, like, and you have to live this out to understand it, but brokenness has a way of seeping back up, even when things are stable. And it just started to wreck her from the inside out. And so she found herself in a place of hopelessness. Now, she says, when you're hopeless, you think hopeless type things. That's where she was at, her state of mind at the time. She's on her knees, 
on the ground and she cries out to God, you need to save me. And just then, and no one can explain how, but her husband's grandfather's papers somehow flew off where they were and landed right at her feet. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Can you imagine? She goes, I knew the God of the universe was talking to me and she wanted to go public with her faith. Isn't that incredible? I, I love hearing stories of what God has done. Stories are powerful. In fact, you know, Jesus taught as much as 30% of his recorded sermons were in story format. In the Old Testament, much of the Old Testament is in story format. I bring all that up. We're in a series, uh, we're culminating today called WOW, Wide Open World, and this is our mission series. And here's why this is important, why we do this every year. Because one of the DNAs or the core values of our church is reaching priority. Because of the gospel, we're made new. Because of the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross, we're made new. And because we're made new then, we are missionaries. We represent Christ. We join him in his great commission. And what does that mean? It means we do everything we can to reach the one, the person who's far from God. Because God cares about that person. The, the name life point, life, to draw life from God, that's the gospel. And to point others to him, life point, the great commission, the gospel and the great commission banded together, life point. That's what we are and who we are. And I think if you're like me uh, and you've been in church a while, you know this, you feel this, and you, you get a sense that in life you want to tell others about Jesus, have you ever had those, those moments where you had someone kind of bring up something about faith and your heart starts beating and you're like, I think I should say something. I think I'm supposed to say something. I don't know what to say. What if they ask a question? I don't know. What if, they, what if I say something stupid? What if I say something so dumb they're never gonna accept Christ? It'll be all my fault. You ever had this conversation in your own head? And then you say to yourself, what if they don't like me after this? What if they never wanna talk to me? Like you, you sense this. And here's what happens oftentimes. You get into these conversations and they turn into arguments. You ever had that happen? And now all of a sudden you're arguing about morality or about some you know, thing on, the, on you know, the history channel that talked about this hidden gospel or maybe you're talking about other religions or whether we came from you know, a, a glob of goo and we turned into man. Like, like have you ever had these conversations? I, I realize most people do at some point and these arguments never really help. In fact, I gotta tell you something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you off the hook today. God never called you to be a lawyer on his behalf. He didn't. And on top of that, it almost never works. You can't argue someone into faith. But you know what's powerful? Your story. Jesus called you, if you're a follower of Christ, to be a witness as to what he's done in your life. God is trying to tell the story of who he is and his faithfulness through his followers. And those stories are powerful. Now, they may not all be like the story I just told. Maybe you're more like the first guy where your story is just, you know what? I kind of had, you know, I, I learned the truth and, and I came back to faith. Or, or maybe your story is like the other one. Like God did something very dramatic that you can't, you can't explain otherwise. Whatever it is, it's all the story of God and stories are powerful. But why are they so powerful? So if you came in today and you're like, I, I, wanna, I wanna have reaching priority. I wanna, I wanna be a missionary for God. I wanna be an ambassador for Christ. I want people to know Jesus because of my life, but I don't know what to do. Let me tell you something. Today, we're gonna talk about the power of what God wants to do in and through your life. So if you have a Bible, open up to the book of Ruth. This is a story that God tells us and it's incredible. 
I'm gonna share a couple things. If you're following along in the sermon notes, I'm gonna share three things. The first one is this, is that every person has a small story in the big story of God. Every person has a small story in the big story of God. Before we dig in though, let's just take a second to pray. Ask God to speak to you, okay? Father, we all come in here today uh, to sing these songs of worship, to connect to you, to connect with each other, to smile, to serve, uh, to play music, to teach messages like I'm doing. But all of us, Lord, are at a, at a point in our journey where we need you to speak to us through your word and by your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would do that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, this story, uh, let me give you kind of the, the, the background of what's happening here. There are four chapters, it's 82 verses. You can read it in about 15 minutes. I'm not gonna share the whole thing with you just because of time's sake, uh, but I'm gonna give you kind of the 30,000 foot view snapshot pictures of the story because it's, it's really an incredible story. Stories are powerful, like I said, and every person gets to play a small story in the big story of God. And I think God uses story because they're, it's easy to remember and it's powerful, it points to his faithfulness. So here's the story. Remember, Moses brought the people up out of Egypt, and then it was Joshua, who was the leader that took over for Moses, that brought him into the land, and under Joshua, the whole nation was united under God. They saw God as the leader, Joshua was the commander, and Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve God, and everyone said, we're with you. We're gonna serve God. And so the whole nation goes into the land and God kind of carves out a nation for Israel and the land. I mean, it was just an amazing time to watch God's faithfulness on the community. But during the time of the judges, so everyone who followed Joshua, this leader and then this leader and then this leader and this leader, what happened was systematically the people fell away from God. Once in a while, they, they would go into captivity because God you know, would say, hey, I'm not protecting that. I can't protect this idolatry you're doing or this or that. And so they would get taken over and, and God would raise up a new leader, a new judge who would help the people. Would, would, you know, they would have kind of like a savior for a minute and that generation would turn back to God and then the next generation next. By the time judges was, was over, the people said that this, that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. In fact, they were crying out, we need a king like all the other nations have. They had systematically rejected God as their king. That's the time of the judges. And yet, in the time of the judges, God didn't turn his back on his people. He still was working. And the story of Ruth is really a love story, a small love story that really is beautiful in the midst of the time of the judges. And let me give you kind of the, like the, the fast version of Ruth, Okay. There's a guy named Elimelech. He's a Jewish man, lives in Bethlehem. He marries Naomi and they decide, probably Elimelech decides, let's go to Moab. There's money to be made in Moab. Moab was another nation nearby and Moab, this, remember God called them to go into the land and he chose specifically to leave the land because he thought it would be better. And Moab and Israel sometimes warred against each other and he goes there and they have two sons and the two sons married two Moabite women and they were not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to intermarry. That's what they were told at that time because they wanted to keep Israel pure to, to follow God. And they knew if you marry Moabite women, you might follow their God. So like they did it anyway. They get there and here's what happens. Elimelech dies and within 10 years, both the sons die. Naomi is devastated. Now in that culture at that time, the way women provided for themselves was to have a husband and have sons. Because they know it's the sons who will take care of them after dad passes away. That's how you have a, a, you know, a, a good economy, a good family, that's how you make it work. And now she has nothing. So she says, I'm gonna go back to Bethlehem. 
Maybe I can live on Elimelech's land. Maybe someone will take care of me. But you daughters-in-law, you need to go home, go to your people, go to your gods, do what you're gonna do. Find a man, you know, you can't have any hope if you stay with me. And one of the mother, or one of the daughter-in-laws leaves, but one of the daughter-in-laws, Ruth, says, no, I, I'm going. I'm not leaving you alone. So they go back to Bethlehem together and they get there. And then there's this, there's this law in Israel that God gave the people, that the law of gleaning. What that means is if you had land and you had a harvest, during the harvest time, when you went to collect the grains and you didn't pick all the grains, you, you know, you're grabbing as much as you can, but sometimes there'd be stuff left over. Or if something fell on the ground, you were not to pick it up. God gave this law to say that anyone who's poor, a widow, an orphan, could go into the, into the land there and glean and pick up all the grains. And this was a way that God made them take care of orphans and widows. So that law, you know, Naomi says, Ruth, go into this particular field and glean. She goes there. And Boaz, he's, he's like this amazing godly man who owns the field, notices this woman and says, hey, who's the new girl over there? And they say, oh, that's, that's, that's Ruth. She's a, a Moabite widow taking care of her mother-in-law, Naomi. Now Boaz goes, are you serious? Like she left her people to take care of this woman to make sure she wouldn't be destitute? Yeah, and he's so impressed. He tells all the men, take care of her, make sure she has enough food. He gives her food and, and you know, she goes home and, and she has all this food and, you know, her mother-in-law is like, what the heck, man? My words. But she's like, why do, you, why do you have all this food? Well, there's this man named Boaz, and he gave me all this food. And she goes, Boaz? Did you say Boaz? Wait a second. I recognize that name. He's, he's family. Now, here's another law in Israel. If a woman lost her husband, a next of kin or a family member, a kinsman redeemer, part of the law that God gave Israel to make sure to take care of uh, widows, said, I want you to provide. You marry her. You give her a family line. And so Naomi is too old, but she's looking at Ruth and saying, there's a possibility here. And sure enough, she kind of tells, tells Ruth, here's what you do. Kind of present yourself to him and, and maybe, just maybe. And sure enough, Boaz falls for her. Boaz loves Ruth and they get together and they have a little baby boy named Obed. I mean, it's a great story. Incredible love story. God took care of his people in a small way. This, these, these widows, a foreign woman, and this, this widowed Jewish woman brings them together and takes care of them. Now, it's the story of God. It's concluded in the Bible for a reason. And, and you're gonna see as this unfolds today, you're gonna see how big a story this really is. But these people play part of a little bit of what God's trying to teach all of us even today. I think... We look at our life as if it were a movie, we're the star of our story, right? In my head, I am like George Clooney and Brad Pitt rolled into one, <laughs> maybe The Rock, because you guys can see the ob obvious part of that. Like, we're, I'm the star of my story. I'm in my head 24-7. But I think what God is saying is, look, I'm the story. Your story, 70, 80 years if you're lucky, right? Like you wanna be the star of your story and it's all about you. That's your, that's your uh, inclination in your soul. But I want you to become a part-time role player. I want you to be a character actor in my story. Are you willing to let go of being the star and allow me to be the star of the story of your life? Because it's his story. You know, all of eternity, he's literally handpicking people to show who he is through their lives. We all, all of us play a small role in the big story of God. 
And we fight it sometimes because we want to be the star. And I think the whole time he's going, look, let go of that. Let me do what I'm going to do in and through your life. Your life can count for something way bigger. I think that's what he's saying. Let, let, me, let me give you a for instance on this. Um, last year, during our WOW offering, uh, we took up the offering. And here's how it works. Um, like, like today, our, our offering today, it starts today. And anything that comes in, uh, whether it's uh, online or text or app or through the black boxes, everything comes in today all the way through this week till Saturday goes to the WOW offering. Last year, we, through all the campuses, collected $202,000. And of that $202,000, a little more than half of that went towards sending short-term missionaries out from our church and many of you went on mission trips. And so you went all over the place. I think there were eight different countries and five continents. And of that $202,000 to send out these 84 missionaries, um, 400 people gave their life to Christ. So some of you last year went, well, I'm already signed up with online giving this week. It's going to be great. So, and some of you said, no, I'm going to give more. I'm, I'm going to write a check or I'm going to, I'm going to go in online. I'm going to change my number for this week. And, and like you did all of that and you thought for you, it's just a sacrifice. You were contemplating, God, can I sacrifice? Do I have enough? Can I do this? I, I'm going to do it. I feel called. To, and like, that's your part of the story, right? And you're your finances matter, your, your bills matter. You're, you have to wrestle and battle. That's something you did, but you gave that in collection and 400 people gave their life to Christ. Now that sounds like, oh, that's a really cool number, but imagine just one person. One person's life gets transformed from death to life. Just one. Like what if one person's family line changes forever? Big story of God using all of our little small stories together. This year... Our hope is to raise $325,000 because we want to double the number of missionaries going out to 150 almost. That's what our hope is to send them out. Half the money that we collected wasn't just for the short-term missionaries that went out. It was for our church planting partners. Like Chris that came from Steel City last week. If you heard him last week, he is you know, sharing the gospel in Pittsburgh. And my favorite thing he shared last week among his sermon, which I thought was awesome, he shared pictures of people in Pittsburgh. One of the pictures was this guy getting baptized. And he told the story. This guy was an atheist and he came to faith in Christ because he heard the gospel. And now he's getting baptized. And now he's recording himself sharing the gospel. And he's sharing it with these guys saying, hey, will you critique it? Help me because I want to share this with my friends. I want to know how to do it better. Like, imagine we partnered with that, changing lives. We all play a small story in the big story of God. And here's the thing. The details are key in every story. The details of your life are key in every story. Let me, let me share with you as quickly as I can. There are three major characters in this story. You have uh, Naomi, you have Ruth, and you have Boaz. So Naomi, let me explain. So remember, she's raised Jewish. She marries a man. They, they go off to Moab, and then she loses her husband, her sons, and she comes back. She's devastated, and she heads back, and they say, oh, is this Naomi? Here's what she says, chapter 1, verse, verse 20. She said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? I mean, that's hard to hear. But don't indict her. I, I've sat with people who've lost their spouse and I've sat with people who've lost their kids. She basically saying, God is mad at me. 
Maybe it's because we moved to Moab, we probably shouldn't have. We should have trusted God and stayed here. Maybe it's because my sons married Moabite women who have all these false gods. Maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe, maybe it was when I was eight and I did this one thing, I disobeyed my parents. Maybe I was 15, I remember, oh, I did something I should never have done. Like, whatever's going on in her mind, here's what she's saying, God's paying me back. Now, I honestly don't think that's true. I think things happen. Uh, but in this case, she feels like God is against her. So when she gets back to Bethlehem, she's saying, don't even talk to me. God's mad at me. And what do we see in the story? It unfolds. And Ruth cares for her, won't leave her. And, and then she finds Boaz and they have a child and they stick the child. His name is Obed. They stick him on, on her lap. Here's how, it, here's how it kind of finishes up. This is a really cool part of the story. Chapter four, uh, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. And the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and made his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of old age, for old age. And for your daughter-in-law who loves you is more than seven sons has given birth to this one. And then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Like, imagine Obed. Grandma, grandma, grandma. Why, why do you love God so much? You see, Obed, there was a time when I was broken. But God saw me. God heard my cry. And I thought God was mad. And yet he had another plan. And I have a, I have a daughter-in-law that's better to me than seven sons. And now I have you, Obed. Can you imagine the details of the story powerfully telling Obed, that's who my God is? Then probably my favorite verse in this whole, this whole book comes in chapter one, verse 16. This is, this is Ruth. Now think about the Moabites. I gotta tell you something. Moabites, they came about from the worst story in all of scripture. I mean, it's terrible. So remember Abraham, the patriarch? God said he's faithful. He's gonna be the patriarch of the nation. All the nations will be blessed through Abraham. Well, Abraham had a nephew named Lot. Lot, uh, things didn't go as well for him. And he ended up having a child with his daughter. And it's super creepy. And the, the son's name is Moab. And so all of the Moabites are come from that line. I mean, it's super wicked. And, and the Moabites were wicked people. This woman's a Moabite woman. Her family line worships these gods that do terrible, like false gods that do terrible things. Like it's incredible. And yet here's what she says to Naomi. Cause Naomi's like, don't come with me. Go back to your people. You have no hope in Israel. Trust me. No one's gonna marry you. You're a Moabite. Like no one's gonna marry you. Verse 16, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Like a daughter-in-law saying this to the mother-in-law, uh-uh, if you die, I'll die with you. Wherever you stay, I'm gonna stay. I will be with you. You're not alone. I'm not leaving. Something happened in those 10 years. The way that maybe Naomi trusted God rubbed off on her because she said, and your God is gonna be my God. I mean, this is commitment. This is beautiful did she watch all of it play out? Imagine that moment when you know, her, her son comes up to her and says, mommy, 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 why, why do you love God? Well, son, let me tell you something. There was a time I had a choice to make and I chose God and God is faithful. There's Boaz, incredible character of scripture. Like there's not enough people named Boaz today. Like I know some of you guys are thinking someday my grandson should be Boaz, I get it. Um, 
chapter two, he, he sees this, this young girl gleaning. And he's like, who's this girl? And they say, this girl is a Moabite widow who's taking care of her mother-in-law. He says to her in verse eight, chapter two, then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women and let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing down to the ground, saying to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? That you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to the people and you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. You know, Boaz didn't say to her, wow, you've come and found refuge under me. He goes, no, you've come to Israel to find refuge under the God whose wing is gonna protect you. And then he took that as, you know what? It just so happens that I can provide. He saw himself as the answer to the way God protects a foreign widow. Imagine Obed coming in, daddy, daddy, daddy. Why do you love God? Because God is faithful. Because God cares about foreign widows that no one else is gonna see, people who could be discarded and thrown away. God cares about them so much. And now look, your mom here takes care of you. God has provided you in our family. The details of these stories matter. They matter. I don't know if I said it earlier, but I think I did. God didn't call you to be a lawyer. He called you to be a witness to testify and know what God has done. And your details are important. And I know, okay, you hear the story of someone who had something miraculously happen and, you know, the word of God came floating down on a piece of paper and, you know, when you're crying out to God, like that's miraculous. And maybe that's not your story. But think about the details of your story. Did not someone reach out to you to share the gospel? Wasn't, maybe it was a, a parent or a sibling or a coworker or, or somebody. Somebody was praying for you, I guarantee it. Think about the details. Become an expert in the details of your story. You don't need to understand all the, the information of the Bible. You don't need to become an expert in apologetics. You need to be an expert in telling the stories of noticing the faithfulness of God in your life. That's what God wants to use to share that story. Let me give you an example of this. Um, I, uh, way back, like 30 years ago, I, I had fallen in love with Jesus. I had already met Jesus. I already uh, heard the gospel. I already raised my hand and said, I want Jesus. I'm like, please, Jesus, come into my life. I already had that moment in my life. But later on, I realized who Jesus was. And I was on fire. I was trying to share the gospel with all my friends. I started a Bible study with all my friends who were far from God. And I needed a teammate. And so I was praying. And this person introduced me to this other guy who was a year older than me. And I met him. And I'm like, man, this dude's on fire. Like, he loves Jesus. He introduced me to C.S. Lewis. I had never read anything like it in my life. He goes, man, you need to read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. I read, I'm like, pow, I didn't know this could exist. Are there other writers out there who know God? Like, give me more. Like this guy, I'm like, this is gonna be my teammate. And I thought, we are gonna take over the world, the kingdom of God, right? Like he was, he's that guy. Well, he ghosts me. And now look, you talk about that term today, like, oh, this guy's ghosting me. No one can ghost you in this culture because you have social media ever. You always know where someone's at. Back then you got ghosted. Someone changed their number. You never heard from him again, ever. This guy ghosted me. I didn't hear from him for 15 years. Now I had heard he walked away from Jesus and I'm like, him? No way. 
Well, anyway, social media happens. Now, all of a sudden, we're Facebook friends. And I'm like, I'm seeing his post. I'm like, he's definitely an atheist. So we chatted here and there. We, we did some, I told him I was praying for him. And we, we caught up a little bit. I kept asking him to hang out with me. He would always say, yeah, 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 but never would do it. Well, after 30 years, he agreed to get coffee with me the other day. Now, I was chatting with him about something. And I said, man, get coffee with me. I promise you, I'm not gonna try to convert you. He goes, maybe you should try. I'm like, deal, <laughs> like, come on. So we go down, we start catching up, making small talk. And he says, now look, Ed, he starts to pre-beat all of my things I'm gonna say, all of my apologetics training. He's gonna pre-beat all that. And here's what he says. Hey man, uh, you Christians are all the same. Like you wanna say how none of this can come from nothing. All this that we see can't come from nothing. And you guys always wanna talk about that, which is technically the cosmological argument for God, why things exist. But he's like, he's pre-beating all that and says, but you guys just move the anchor back and say, God, but where did God come from? And then he starts talking about this and that, like all the other arguments I have, like, you know, about the, the fine tuning of the universe. He's, he's like pre-beating all of that. And so it hit me. I looked at him and said, buddy, that's not why I'm a Christian. He's like, why are you a Christian? I said, because God changed my life. He's like, what do you mean? I said, well, I was 10 years old. I had just become a believer. My parents get divorced. My best friend's mom's a Jesus freak. And she looks at me and she goes, trust God. He can put your parents back together. I said, okay. Which I think is totally irresponsible. And yet she believed and I started praying two years into the divorce. My dad's dating everybody. He was in his mid-40s, good-looking guy. And he is just dating everyone on the planet. I think he's going to marry this woman. My grandpa moved from California to Ohio, started a Bible study for my family. My family start studying the Bible together. My parents just thought it would be good to get the kids in the same room for an hour every, you know, once a week. So we're there, I think, just to kind of, you know, out of obligation. But they start hearing the word of God. And my mom recommitted her life to Christ. My dad gave his life to Jesus, stopped dating everyone, started dating my mom. And when I was 14, I was an usher at their wedding. I look at my buddy and he goes, huh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, look, I, I tell you, look, not everyone's story is the same. But stories are powerful because they can't be dismissed. You wanna argue about the cosmological argument as to why things exist? I can give you all kinds of details for days about it. And yet only 3% of people actually care. <laughs> This guy doesn't care about that. And God's not asking us to be lawyers on his behalf. He's asking us to testify to what he's done in our life because he uses that powerfully to transform people's lives. And your details matter. Think clearly, become an expert in watching for the details of how God has reached out to you and changed you. And why? Because all those point to the bigger story and the bigger story points to the faithfulness of God. Let me just say quickly uh, this last point. I said that you know, they had Obed, and Obed has a really crazy family line. Let me read it to you. The bigger story points to the faithfulness of God. You see it in this genealogy, verse 18, chapter four. Now, these are the generations of Perez. Now, you have to go back in Old Testament history to understand Perez. You see, Judah was one of the, the 12 sons, and Judah wasn't, you know, he did some bad things, and uh, he ended up having a kid, Perez, and God had already told him through his father that the kingdom is going to come through Judah, not through Joseph, which you would have thought, because he was like the head of Egypt at the time, but it's going to go through Judah. Judah has Perez, Perez fathered Hezron, Hezron fathered Ram, Ram fathered Aminadad, Aminadad fathered Nashon, Nashon fathered Solomon, Solomon fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David, King David. In the time of the judges, there were people who loved God. They remembered 
At the beginning of Judges, everyone honored God. They were one nation, completely, completely connected to say God is our leader. And over the generations, Israel dissolved really. And, and no one's following God. There may be some. And what happens? They ask for a king. They get Saul. And then they get a better king, David. This David. David, who was a man after God's heart. And finally, he unified the nation to be under God again. God was faithful. And you know what he did? He took a Moabite widow in that line. The faithfulness of God. You see, it's just a love story, and yet we see the faithfulness of God. The big story played out in this young woman's life. And you know what's crazy? You read about this thing. Man, if I could just hang out with God for a minute and say, God, tell me more. And yet God's like, I wrote the book of Matthew through my buddy Matthew. You should read it. It's a genealogy. And some of you are like, I don't read genealogies because they're boring. He, this person begat, begat, begat. And you're like, you're on to chapter two. But yet, if you go to Matthew and you read the genealogy of Jesus Christ, who came through the line of David, who God promised, there will always be a king in the line of David on the throne. Do you know why? Because eventually a little boy named Jesus rose up and he is the king of kings and Lord of lords and he never dies. So he's on the throne today. Let me tell you something. If you read his genealogy, you're gonna read this exact line except one detail. In Matthew chapter one, verse five. Solomon fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed, right? Who's Solomon? Solomon fathered Boaz, chapter 1, verse 5 of Matthew, whose mother was Rahab. Obed, do you know why we honor foreign women who are in destitute situations? Because your grandmother was Rahab the prostitute in Jericho who honored God by protecting the spies to make sure they could get back to Joshua. In the line of Christ, why do we say yes and go on mission with God? Because God cares about those people. And you might think, well, yeah, but they're far from God. They don't honor God. They don't, they don't even know God. Yeah, but God yet cares about them very deeply, wants to reach them. If you came in here today and you think, I've made too many mistakes, I've blown it, I don't know that God likes me. You're wrong. God absolutely loves you. You see his faithfulness played out in this family line of Jesus Christ. These details matter. It's the story of the faithfulness of God. He cares about you. The reason we say yes, we put our yes on the table, say, God, use my life. We don't have to become experts in apologetics or even the Bible. We become experts in listening for God and watching him work in our life and sharing the story of what God has done because he uses that powerfully to transform lives. That's what he's trying to do in your life. That's why we say yes. This, let me talk about the offering for a second. This offering, we're hoping to raise 325,000 because we wanna send 150 people out this year. We're hoping for two families that might go long-term, but look, here's what that means. A, give, right? I, look, you're, you're a guest here. You're like, oh man, pastors always talk about giving. 100% of what we take in over this next week is gonna be used for missions. We're not gonna use it for anything but that. It's a great cause for no other reason, get involved for that. But for some of you, here's what that means. I hope that you'll go on a trip this year. We're trying to make it possible so that your trip is a lot less expensive and you're able to go. We want you to go. Say yes. Some of you are thinking, well, I can't go. Yes, you can I'm not smart enough, duh. I mean, I'm a pastor. I feel stupid half the time. Like, but God, 
but God. Listen, God wants to use your life. He wants to use your life with your neighbors, your family, your classmates, your friends. He wants to use you to testify into who he is. That's what we're talking about today. So here's, what we're gonna, here's how we're gonna close out our service. We're gonna pray in a second, and then we're gonna stand and sing the songs together of worship. And if, if when we do that, when we start to stand and sing, uh, and you, you wanna have someone pray with you or maybe you need a little help, uh, back in the Next Steps area in the corner of the room, they have some resources there that are free. So if you just wanna have a closer relationship with God and you want a resource, they'll do that. If you just need some prayer because God's doing something in you, maybe you came in here today and you feel like Naomi at the beginning of her journey where she was broken and you just need someone to pray, just head back. When we stand to sing, just slip out of your seat and head back to the Next Steps. They'll pray with you. It'll help. I trust me, it'll help. You want to invite God into this moment of your life. If you need to just get a better relationship with God, they have books back there they'll give you for free. Like it's, I just highly recommend it. But for everyone else, let's just talk to God. And if you can, this one last thing, just, but if you came in today and you feel like, you know what? I feel far from God, but you sense that God loves you. You get it. Like you, maybe today you realize this isn't about you impressing God with your behavior. Like it's not like Ruth did anything awesome. She just loved a person. Everyone here is capable of love. And if you're willing to love God, he, he will pour out his hand on you. If, if you want forgiveness today, he, he hands out grace and mercy like it's his job. He loves it. He wants to save you from your sin today. And I'll help you, I'll help you do that. So let's stand and pray as we get ready to sing this last song. And then as we finish up, what's gonna happen is Mark's gonna come up and we're gonna have a commissioning of uh, some people that are going out. He's gonna talk about missions uh, for this year. And um, that's how we're gonna close our service today. So let's take a second, let's pray. Kind of close your eyes where you're at and talk to God. Maybe as I was talking to you, it was something completely different. Just talk to God right now. And uh, maybe say, hey God, I'm, my yes is on the table, use my life. Maybe for some of you, it's, God, help me recognize the details of your faithfulness. Maybe for some of you, it's just been hazy because the circumstances have been overwhelming. Say, God, I need, you to, I need your grace to see clearly. Maybe for some of you, you've been wrestling with the idea of being the star of your life and it's time to lay down being the star. Wherever you're at, just talk to God. And give me a second just to talk to those who are maybe on the fringe with God right now. If that's you and you feel like, you know what? I need the grace and mercy of God in my life. I need his forgiveness. He wants this for you. Just call out to him. The Bible says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Here's what you do. Say to God right now in your heart, God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to pay the penalty for sin. I believe he rose from the grave. And I'm calling on you, Jesus. Will you come into my life? Will you forgive me of my sin? I'm sorry. Please forgive me, Jesus. Help me to follow you. Accept my little step of faith today. You need to know that that little step of faith is what makes you right with God. I'm gonna ask you to do one little thing. Here's what it means to follow God. Is as you sense him leading, you just follow him. One of the things that Jesus said very clearly was, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. I wanna help you do that. Little step of faith today is maybe even a first step just to acknowledge Jesus. I'm gonna ask you, between you and me and God, if that was you, would you raise your hand up and say, today was my day, Ed, I want you to see it and God, I want you to see it. If that's you anywhere in the room, raise your hand high enough I can see you. Thank you. God, I, I know that you have work you're doing in all of us here. Lord, help us to be 
missionaries and missionary thinkers and missionary hearts to represent you in our neighborhoods, in our schools, at work, in our families. God, help us to to live in such a way to testify to the faithfulness of who you are. Use us, Lord. To your name we pray. Amen.